Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. What one of our customers did, and his sessions increased like 2x, like 200% more people were clicking on his listing. Your attention, please. please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair, unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host, and this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. As a matter of fact, it was Memorial Day weekend, and I ate way too much. But I was out there with my friends. We were barbecuing, having drinks, just laughing, having fun. And while doing all that barbecuing and having all that fun, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So today's episode is awesome, actually. I got to admit, we got Greg Mercer on the show. And for those of you that don't know Greg Mercer, he's the founder of Jungle Scout. But he's also jumping into other software tools and platforms. He's also got Review Kick, And he's going to be announcing something he hasn't announced anybody yet. Uh, it's coming out on this show. You're hearing it first here, hopefully. And most of the interviews that I've heard Greg actually uh, participate in have all been about Jungle Scout. They've been basic interviews, I would say, for the most part. And I know most of our listeners now are, are beyond that, right? They want to know more. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about some intermediate uh, to even advanced strategies, talk about what Greg does, some of the split testing he's done, and uh, just a lot of cool stuff. So I hope you walk away with a, at least a few gold nuggets. Oh, and make sure you stick all the way to the end. We've got a special announcement at the very end. Okay, guys? Hey guys, it is my privilege to introduce Greg Mercer, founder of Jungle Scout. He's joining us on this call, this interview. Greg, how are you doing? Manny, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to chat with you for the next hour or so. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So uh, for our listeners that haven't actually um, heard of you or Jungle Scout, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the company? Yeah, I'm Greg Mercer. I started selling on Amazon myself a little over three years ago. It's about three and a half years ago. I originally did it to escape my day job. At one point, I was working as a civil engineer. I wasn't super happy with it. Uh, I always had a strong entrepreneurial spirit, just wanted to quit. So I was able to replace my income through selling on Amazon. And then about a year and a half, two years later, that's when I uh, invented Jungle Scout, which is a software tool for Amazon sellers. Uh, A lot of people uh, may have heard my name associated with that particular product. And then today, I'm still selling on Amazon as well as running the software company. Awesome. And you're backpacking it around the world, right? You're not in the U.S. right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I'm homeless. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm doing the digital nomad thing. So my wife and I, we've actually been traveling for about a year and a half. So we usually like move around. We'll stay in a place for a month or two and then pack up and go to a, a new location. So um, yeah, it, it's a really uh, nice way to live life and we're really enjoying it. Awesome. And you're in Barcelona now. And where did you just come from? Yeah. So in Barcelona right now, I was in uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil before this. So, and then, uh, yeah, I'm going to spend most of the summer in the Mediterranean area. Okay. Awesome. Well, before we get into the details, I always have one 
silly question I ask all of our guests. It's always a different question. Greg, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Hit me. All right, here we go. Have you ever eaten something you are not proud of? Uh, man, as we were just saying, you know, I've been traveling for a year and a half, and one of the locations in last year was Thailand. Uh, and I have to admit that I did eat a few weird bugs and stuff when I was in Thailand. <laughs> so I can't say I'm super proud of that, but uh, I guess it was a good experience. Were they tasty at least? Was it good? No, they weren't tasty. I think they were covered <laughs> covered in salt, and uh, I think we quickly washed it down with a, a, a Thai beer, and I guess that helped. Perfect, perfect. So. You said you were got into Amazon FBA. You're now doing Jungle Scout, and that's just it's rocking. It's doing really well. Everybody knows about it. Are you 100% focused on the software now, or do you still sell on Amazon? Yes, yeah, so I'm still a very active seller. I have one full-time person who runs or helps me run that side of the business. We're still launching new products, still growing. We do roughly four to $500,000 a month, so about a half million a month, roughly. So yeah, of course, that top-line revenue of that you know, I think margins are somewhere in the 25% area. So yeah, that business is still moving along very nicely. I do devote the majority of my time to Jungle Scout and the software stuff. But to be honest, that's just kind of a personal preference. It's a little bit more fun to me. It's a little bit newer. I haven't been doing it as long. So um, that is a little more enjoyable to me just because it's something new and fresh. Yeah, that's awesome. 400 to 500,000, half a million a, a month. So and your margins seem to be right what I'm doing and what other people are doing. I always hear people saying, oh yeah, I got 50, 60% margins. Do you find that those kinds of margins are difficult to do at scale? To be honest with you, I think uh, when we use the term margins, it a lot of times is kind of like miscalculated or misused in the Amazon FBA world. Because I guess when I say like 25, 30%, whatever, that would be with Amazon's fees included. You know, so if I sold an item for $100, I'd make $33 after Amazon takes their fees. It seems like some people use the term like not including uh, Amazon FBA fees, but Anyway, so for me personally, I, I would find that like 50 or 60% margins are pretty hard to do at scale. You know, even in the 25, 30, 35% range, usually that's like 100% return on investment. So if I'm buying an item for $10, I'm making $10 profit, which I think is great. So if you're doing 50 or 60%, you know, you're probably talking, if you're buying an item for 10 bucks, you're making, you know, 15 or $20 off it, which I, I do think that's pretty tough to do. I'm not saying there's not some items that do it. I find that a, be, to be a little more difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've got some small products that do those kinds of margins, you know, even after all fees, all advertising expenses. But if I were to scale it out, if I'm going to blow this thing up, amount of expenses uh, goes up because I'm pushing a lot more advertising and, and the margins go down. So every time I see someone, you know, saying they've got 50 or 60% margins I, and, and they've got big numbers, I, I always wonder, like you just said, if it's actually not including specific fees. So it's, it's interesting to hear your thoughts on that. That's, that's good. Yeah. So let's talk. Uh, we got some really cool stuff, guys, by the way, that we're going to talk about some split testing that Greg's doing. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask a few more questions related to uh, some of the things that people ask on our Facebook group. Since you use Jungle Scout for for so many things and you're working on that, do you find that there's any products you feel people should probably stay away from that maybe you've had a change of heart on since originally starting this whole process? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd say, you know, stay away from, and this is probably common knowledge, but I'd say stay away from all of the really popular items. So if you ever make a search and there's two or three pages of results of pretty much that same identical item. 
those right away are going to be red flags for me, something I'm going to stay away from. Besides that, besides just the super competitive stuff, I really don't have any uh, certain products or product types that I'd recommend staying away from. Okay. Do you think, uh, are there any unexploited categories you think people should start looking into? No, I, and I get that question a lot, you know, like, oh, if you only had to recommend one category, what would it be? I don't think that there's one category where, you know, the demand uh, is like an outlier, you know, with much higher demand and much lower competition. So um, I think even, you know, some people, I think sometimes say like the gated categories are usually a little bit less competitive, but I don't know if I've actually found that to be true. Okay. What are your thoughts on FBA sellers moving to larger, heavier products to avoid that whole rat race on products? You know, the ones that Pretty much everybody's teaching, you know, that you got to keep it light. It's got to fit into a shoebox. It's got to be, you know, small. Yeah, I think it's a great model. Without a doubt, there's less competition on the oversized and heavier and uh, more expensive products. There's a higher barrier of entry because you have to have more cash. Uh, you probably have to ship them ocean freight, which is obviously more headaches. So, you know, anything that's going to have a higher barrier of entry is going to have less competition. So, yeah, you know, if you have a little bit more money to spend and you're willing to invest a little more time and maybe headaches into growing this into like a, a larger kind of more legitimate or more official business than uh, the oversized or more expensive stuff, I think it's a great place to go. I agree. Uh, I think once you start getting into oversized products, first of all, the cost is typically higher. So it just pushes out a lot more people might not be able to afford to jump into that category. And then I think everybody has been classically trained. If they've been listening to podcasts or training courses, everything that's out there has always said, you know, keep it small, keep it light, keep it under a couple pounds because otherwise it's going to be too expensive to get it out here to the, to the U S if, if that's where they're at. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, there's something to be said for that. You know, if you're just be starting out, you know, I'm a big fan of just getting started and trying something out. And if that's the case, if this is your first product, you might want to check out some of those products because they are a little bit easier to launch. But uh, because of that, obviously, there's going to be more competitors too, you know, because it is easier. So yeah, you can just kind of keep all those things in mind uh, and see kind of where you fit in best for where you're at in your life and business. Perfect. So I'm often using tools for purposes outside their normal usage. And I won't go into all the details, but I'm constantly trying to think outside the box. Are there any... I might be putting you on the spot here, Greg, but are there any cool tips um, that you use Jungle Scout for that a lot of people might not use it for? Yeah, I don't think enough people take advantage of running it on like the seller storefront. So a lot of times, like if I find one of my competitors, like if I thought I had an awesome product, a competitor launches like the same thing. I'll be like, okay, this guy's probably pretty bright. Maybe we think along the same lines as far as how much demand competition we're looking for. It's like the first thing I always do is go to their storefront, run Jungle Scout and see all the other products that they're selling and like which of those are doing well. And a lot of times I'll like I found a ton of the products I sell now uh, using that method. So I think maybe some people are doing that, but I think that is like an underutilized or something that more should be, people should be doing because it's a great tactic for finding new products. Right. So that's a great tip. So what you're saying is you might be looking at a product and you're like, okay, this product looks pretty solid. It's generating, you know, $10,000 a month. You go on to, you, you click into that, uh, that seller storefront and then you've got say 12 products that they're selling. You run Jungle Scout and you might actually find one or two gems in there that are way better than the product you were looking at initially. Yeah, that's exactly right. And of course you can like extract the next page of results too, you know? So even if that seller has like five pages of results, just hit that little extract button like five times. You'll have all of his products there in Jungle Scout. Sort by which ones are selling the most a month or the highest revenue. And then usually when you do that, you'll find there's some products that are better than the, you know, the one you're initial look, initially looking at. Yeah, that, that actually happened to me. Uh, one of my better selling products wasn't the primary product I was looking for. It happened to be something the seller was actually selling 
um, in addition to what I was looking at. So yeah, absolutely. Nice. It works. Yeah. So, all right. Jungle Scout has been, you, I mean, you've been in a million podcasts. You've been all over the place. Everybody, I think for the most part knows quite a bit about it. So I wanted to talk to you. We talked about this actually uh, off the air here, but I wanted to talk to you about some more advanced strategies, things that really haven't been discussed out there. I like to keep our listeners up to date with some fresh ideas. And you've been busy, haven't you, with some pretty interesting listing optimization techniques. Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like uh, engineer by background, right? I guess I'm always like, I love the data, right? And collecting lots of data, uh, running tests, you know, we're constantly running uh, different split tests on like the websites and all the Amazon listings and stuff. So yeah, I could geek out about this stuff for days, but it, it's really exciting to me, you know, and it, it's super cool too. When, you know, when you can improve your conversions, your sessions by a bunch. So yeah, let's chat about it. All right. So first of all, let's talk about people that might not know exactly what listing optimizations are. They just go in there, they just throw keywords in and titles and get things going. What, what's your take on that? And why is uh, listing optimization so important? Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's just think about big picture here. There's only so much we can do on the Amazon platform, right? It, it's actually a very simple platform. You know, for each product, we only get one listing on that one listing. We can only have a maximum number of, of pictures. They tell us exactly how many bullet points we can have, how long they can be and so forth. So, you know, if we want to be competitive on Amazon, especially as the competition on Amazon grows, we really need to make sure that we have the best listings, they're converting well uh, and so forth. The other reason it's so important is because, you know, each time a, well, I guess we start at the very beginning, one, we want the most people clicking on our listings. And then once they're clicking on our listings, we want the most conversions once they're there. And, you know, if you're improving your conversions by only a few percent, this could mean hundreds or thousands of extra dollars, uh, you know, on a monthly basis. So it is very important, you know, to have the, the absolute best listing possible. Are you, uh, when you're making optimization changes, what's your process there in terms of, of the number of changes you make at a time and how long do you wait before you go in and, and make another, let's say a massive change? Yeah, so that's a good question. So general split testing principles is, you know, you always want to just try to change one thing at a time. And this is if you're doing A-B testing on your website or your Amazon listing or whatever, because without it, it's really hard to know what's working and what's not working, Right. Like maybe you changed two things, maybe one thing improved uh, your listing, but the other thing, you know, made it a little bit worse. And then you just think there was no changes at all. So, you know, good rule of thumb is only one change at a time. If there is, if it's a change that's going to affect either your sessions or your conversions pretty much immediately, what I like to do is change it around midnight Pacific time, because that's when the numbers that Amazon gives you as far as sessions and conversions and so forth, they're on a daily basis, you know, for that particular day and it's on Pacific time. And then it, it's good to try to, you know, either have that up for a day or two days or three days or whatever, change it, do the same thing for the same number of days. If it's something like changing uh, your main picture or possibly changing maybe like the order of your bullets or something else that you think is going to affect your conversions. If it's something that's more keyword related and how you're going to rank in the search results, these are more long-term type changes that are going to take longer to take into effect. So something like that, you might want to change, wait a week or two weeks before you make another change. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth. I have some questions, but you're talking about, you know, the longer term stuff. What would be some of the, let's say the easy wins when it comes to split testing or, or optimization? Yeah. So the first two things that I would recommend testing and, you know, I've done a whole bunch of testing. Now I have a whole bunch of data to back this up. The two things that are the easiest wins are going to make the biggest difference are the price 
and the main image. Okay. So real quick, we'll talk about price. You know, I think it's fair to say that all of us Amazon sellers, we want the maximum amount of profit, right? So sometimes that means actually means raising your price. And sometimes that means lowering your price, right? So some of these items, if it is an item that is significantly or even, you know, moderately better than your competition, a lot of times it's best to try raising your price first. Okay. So like, for instance, let me give you a little example here. One of my products I made a small improvement to its average uh, star rating is four and a half stars where my next closest competitor is three and a half stars and a few of the other ones are three or three and a half stars. So that product is significantly better than my competition. So something like that, I would start by raising your price and seeing when it starts to affect your conversions and what's the optimal price for the maximum amount of profit. And a lot of times what you'll find is if your product really is significantly better than your competition, what I found is Amazon buyers actually aren't as price sensitive as you think. So for instance, one of my products, the, the same one that I'm giving the example that I had four and a half stars compared to my competitor at three and a half. I was originally selling it for $25.95 and I was actually able to raise that price all the way to $33.95 without it affecting my conversion. So, nice. you know, selling 10 of those a day, that's actually like 80 bucks a day, right? Right. Um, so that's a, that's a huge win. That's a lot of money. If the product is more of like a me too product and, you know, it's very similar to your competition, then it's going to be a lot more sensitive. Don't expect to be able to raise it by like $8 and, you know, still convert it the same amount. So something like that, you'd want to test maybe a dollar lower, maybe a dollar higher and so forth to see, you know, what's the maximum amount of profit. So it doesn't always mean the most units sold. Maybe you're selling a few less per day, but if you're making two or three dollars extra per sale, maybe it's still the maximum amount of profit. Yeah. We talked about margins in the beginning, right? Where if you're shooting, let's say for a $9 or $10 uh, profit, when everything is said and done, simply by raising your price and generating an extra $3. It doesn't seem like a lot. It's only $3. But if you were making $9 and now you're making 12, that's a large percentage, right? Yeah, that's a huge amount. You've increased it by 30 some odd percent, right? Right. If I'm doing the numbers right. But I did the same thing. I had a product. It was right around mid-20s and I was starting to run low on inventory. This was a while back when I discovered this. And I don't do this practice anymore where I, I raise pricing to, to slow sales. I found that it wrecks my conversion and hurts me later. But I started raising the price, got up to an extra $3 higher, and I noticed my conversions improved. <laughs> so my sales went faster. Right. And I was like, what? So I found that sweet spot. And now that's my, the, the price that I had actually raised it to is the current price that I use for all my product, for, for that particular product line. And it's higher than all my competitors, because as you said, the, the main image looks so much nicer than, than what they're using. Yeah. So a lot of people are really surprised by this. And it's something you just don't know until you start testing, right? So I think testing the price is like the easiest potential big win on your product, you know? So I think everyone needs to be price testing. I think the second easiest thing or the second biggest win is actually the main image, kind of like you just said right there. So, and let me give you a few examples of this because I've like, I've tested a whole bunch of different main images and we'll start by talking about the totally 100% legit way because this is what I recommend is do something that really makes your product stand out, okay? You know, I think we all know that per Amazon's guidelines. And this is why I say the hundred percent legit way. I think the main image is supposed to have like your entire product in it, totally white background. It's not supposed to have any like badges or extra words or so forth on your image. And there's a lot you can do inside of these guidelines. So we're doing also some split testing, helping kind of other people out. So I wanted to give some of these examples, but I also kind of want to like protect the privacy of their products. Right. Mm -hmm. So I thought of a good analogy. 
imagine if you were selling chia seeds, okay? So, you know, you at one point, all your competitors were showing like a bag or a container or whatever of chia seeds, you know, like you'd probably just blend in with the rest of the people on the page and that's fine. But imagine instead, if you were to pour out those chia seeds onto a, you know, a white paper, a whiteboard or whatever, and write out the word chia in the chia seeds. Okay. Mm -hmm. What you'll find, you know, this is a good analogy of, of what one of our customers did and his sessions increased like 2x, like 200% more people were clicking on his listing. So you can do some little like creative things like that, that will get you like a ton more exposure. You know, it draws your eye right away to your product, to your main image when someone makes that search. And it's pretty amazing, really. That's genius. Yeah. So you can't use text on your listing, but if you're selling bags of M&Ms or chia seeds or whatever they might be, you just spell out the word using the product itself. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And then it's different than everything else. So people click into it. They're like, whoa, what is this? Plus it says what it is. Yeah, exactly. So most of your listeners probably aren't selling uh, chia seeds or M&Ms, but just think, you know, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> use that same kind of mindset to get a little bit of creative, you know, like how you're taking these pictures. Uh -huh. Maybe it's a different angle. Maybe it's you're kind of putting it in a little bit of a funny shape. You really just want to draw people's eye to your particular listing as opposed to your competition. So another kind of cool thing you can do if you're bundling it with an item, say for instance, I'm selling whatever piece of electronic and it comes with like a little case. Maybe you want that case to be like a neon color for the sole reason that in your main image, you can now show this neon colored case. And again, it draws the eye straight to that. You know, that's probably what's going to get the most clicks. And, you know, at that point, you can work on your conversions. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. This is for your main image, just so everybody's clear on this. Um, you, you want your main image, which is going to be your thumbnail, and you want it to be different than all the other products that are on that search page result so that people click in and at least see your product. That's exactly right. So yeah, I mean, I think the easiest thing to test is the price. And that second easiest thing to test is going to be the main image. Okay. Let me ask you real quick, because a lot of people always ask us, when you're doing your main image, do you recommend people do their own shots if they're doing that, you know, that white background or send it out to a professional company? What are your thoughts there? Personally, I use a professional company. You know, I think he only charges me like 150 bucks for all my pictures. I think it's a no brainer, but I mean, I don't know if you're good at uh, photography you can set up like a little makeshift, you know, white background and so forth. Personally, though, I recommend just spending the money and having a professional do it. Okay. So those are two of the fast wins. I guess they're easier to do. Are there other things that take a little bit longer? Maybe some more advanced stuff that uh, work that you've been working on? Yeah. So those two, you know, easy wins, those are things that you can rotate, you know, like every 24 hours, you can notice a big change or big difference on how many sessions you're getting. And then especially with price on how well it's converting. So those things I can rotate like every 24 hours. So if you're rotating it every 24 hours and sales are from Amazon are delayed, right? Especially with pay-per-click and things like that. You don't see the results immediately. What do you do in order to attribute the sales for the specific change you just made if you're doing it every single day? What's your process there? Yeah, so you can download a report out of Seller Central that gives you the sessions and the conversions and so forth on a daily basis. And that's why I was talking about a little bit earlier that you want to change it around midnight Pacific time because that's the time frame that they're giving you for the sessions and conversions for that day. But you're right, that report isn't accurate actually until about like, the third day. So, you know, if you can remember to kind of change it every 24 hours, so forth for a week then wait like two days and then download the report on the third day, then that's when you can have like an accurate, good week's worth of information. Okay. That being said, if you want it to be really accurate, you want to do it for at least like two weeks. Cause then it would be the different price or the different image, you know, like you'd have the different price on two different Mondays. Cause it's also going to change on the day of the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's important. That was actually going to be my next question is, if you're running something on a Wednesday versus a Saturday, you probably shouldn't compare the two results because it's going to be different. So run similar changes on the same day of the week. Make sure there's no holiday wrapped right around that particular date, things like that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, of course, you know, the longer you do it for, the more accurate the information is going to be. And there's like some online free calculators for the minimum significance value and so forth if you want to get real technical with it and if you're good with statistics. So, and if you have multiple products that are very similar, they're either very similar or they might even be variations. Let's say they have different colors. Would you split it in terms of like, okay, on the blue product, I'm going to just make a title change. And then on the red product, I'm going to do an image change and run those and then kind of like flip-flop back and forth if you have those two things so you can speed up the split testing? Um, yeah, you could do that. That'd be a good idea. If you do have a variation or uh, two similar types that are shown in the search results as both of them, then that'd be a way to do it. But a lot of times, you know, you'll only get like one of those variations in the search results, at least for like the major keywords, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to like click into the listing until you see all the variations. Cool. Yeah, those are good strategies. And so what are some of the other strategies that uh, you've been working on? Some of the other stuff is all going to relate around keywords. Mm -hmm. And the kind of more difficult thing about testing the keywords is it, you know, Amazon systems, obviously, we don't know exactly how long it takes them to uh, re-index, you know, our listings, uh, exactly how long it takes for keyword changes to really take effect in the search engine rankings and so forth. So these are going to be more long-term type things. For these, I'd want to change it like one day, maybe wait a week, see how that was affected, then maybe change it again after another week, wait for it to see how it affects it. You know, a, a few of like the little tips that I found through my personal testing, and I'd actually kind of like to uh, put you on the spot, Manny, and kind of chat with you about this, because I know you also like to do some of this testing. Uh-oh. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, maybe we'll keep this kind of more of an open conversation. Sure, sure. So we, we've tried to do run some like different types of tests, right? So, you know, a lot of these things are kind of common beliefs, but I, you know, I wanted to test it to see like, okay, you know, is everyone just saying this just because everyone else is, or is this actually uh, kind of more like factual information? So one would be kind of like keyword stuffing, you know? So does it make a difference to have the same keyword maybe in two or three different parts of like your bullet points and then same thing on your product description? You know, does it make sense to if I'm selling my bamboo marshmallow sticks to have bamboo marshmallow sticks written like twice in the bullet points and then maybe like two more uh, or three more times in the description or does just one time in my whole listing, is that good enough? Mm -hmm. So through our testing for this specific thing, we found that there doesn't appear to be a difference with including these keywords multiple times in the bullet points or the description one time seems to give you the same like rankings for that keyword as including it a bunch of times. Does that make sense? So just to clarify, are you saying, for example, in your bullet points, and if the word was rock, you would only mention the word rock once in the bullet points, or are you referring to mentioning the word rock in bullet points and also mentioning it in your title? I think it appears the title is ranks words a little bit differently. So all your main keywords, I would definitely want to include in your title. But I don't think you need to include it multiple times then in your bullet points and in your description. So if the keywords rock, I'd put it once in my title. I put it once in my bullet points or description. And then that's it. I mean, okay. if you need it again to flow nicely in a sentence, that's fine. I don't think it definitely doesn't seem to be a, a penalty for that. But I think some people are kind of like old school SEO people thinking like, okay, 
I need to include this three, four, five times and really let Amazon know that it's an awesome word. Yeah. Yeah. That, that also came a lot of people in the mobile space were doing that, especially on Android, where they're like, all right, I've got to repeat the main keyword five times or six times, whatever the number would be in the description. So they move over to Amazon and they, they do the same thing, the same practice. But it, like you're saying, it, it doesn't make a difference or it doesn't seem to be making any kind of difference. Yeah, exactly. And none of us knows, you know, the exact uh, Amazon A9 algorithm, right? If they did, they'd be billionaires and they wouldn't be sharing it with anyone. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, that's something that I want to test for myself. To be honest, I was really hoping that I could just put rock in there 20 times and I would rank number one for it, right? But that doesn't appear to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. So it's good that you split test this and check it out. I, for us, same thing. If I have it in my title, I used to, I would put it in my title and if I had space, I would also throw it into some other places. But lately, if I've got a lot of keywords, anything that's in the title, I try not to put it anywhere else. I don't need to put it anywhere else unless it's just by by coincidence, you know, because I'm trying to describe something. I definitely don't mention things, at least on purpose, more than once, just like you suggested in bullets or descriptions. I will take plural versions of something, even though Amazon's supposed to account for that. I've found that that doesn't always happen. So I'll, if it's rock, I might put rocks in the description and then rock in the, the bullet points, for example. And then I used to, up until just recently, include, I would take all my keywords, including everything that was in my title, bullets and descriptions, and I would include those in the back end search term since you had, you know, since almost everybody now has 5,000 characters. I was like, why not? You know, there's so many characters, you could just throw them in there. But I found that that doesn't really do anything either. It really doesn't need to be placed again unless you're not ranking for it on the back-end search terms. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they just assume that if you stick it into the search terms on the back-end, that you'll be indexed for them. And that doesn't always happen. I found, in fact, that usually only about half of those keywords get indexed. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I was actually going to say something similar to that. And I, I agree with you 100%. Through our kind of research, I've seen the same thing. So it's pretty interesting. One other keyword related thing that I think is good to test is we have actually found that putting major keywords or keywords you want to be ranked better for towards the beginning of a title actually does appear to help us. So I think some people say, you know, if you just put it anywhere in the title there, that's fine. Uh, you'll be ranked for it. But um, through some of our split tests, we actually have found that putting it towards the beginning of a title, Amazon does seem to weigh that a little bit heavier. Okay, that's good. I I've heard that mentioned by many high-end pay-per-click people, you know, guys that uh, that are experts in their industry. And, and it's kind of the same thing. And it was like that also in the mobile space. Anything that's at the beginning typically means it's more important. The other thing, I don't know if you've heard this, Greg, there's been some talk, and I haven't tested this, that at least on the backend search terms, um, Amazon's pretty good about mixing things and joining things. So if you have a keyword in field one and then you have a keyword in field three, that it'll put both of those together to create a compound word if someone's searching for that. But people are now saying, well, actually, I'm finding that I'm ranking better if I can stick the words that are joined together to make you know, phrases, if they can be in the same field, I'm actually uh, ranking higher for those than if it's pulling it from different fields. So I was like, hmm, I haven't tested that and I have a theory on that, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I haven't tested it yet actually either. I might need to uh, set that up tonight after we get off the call. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think what might be going on, this is just a, a theory of mine, is okay. that if, if I've got, let's say fields one, two, and three are, or indexing, but field four and five for some reason aren't. And I have, the, you know, the second part of that phrase is in field four or five. Well, the first word is ranking, but, you know, because it's in field one, but the second one isn't. So then it doesn't, doesn't work. Whereas if they were both in field one, then they would both be ranking or be, they'd be indexed. So then you would rank uh, well for that. I have a feeling that's what's going on, but it, you know, like you said, you never know what's going on with A9. So it's hard to say. 
Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, I guess if I'm a listener, though, and I'm listening to this uh, right now, the keyword stuff is a little bit harder to implement and to, like, really perfect. So, you know, I think there's, like, just doing the price and that main image like I was talking about, I think that will make a huge difference for 95% of the people listening to this, you know? And then personally, in my opinion, I think, you know, once you've really optimized that, then you can start trying some of these things uh, like we're talking about and hopefully reporting back on how they're working, you know, with, you know, like those, the compound words uh, in the same keyword field or different ones. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Yeah. And I agree, you know, those are fast changes as well. You don't have to go in and keep checking on things like crazy with keywords or you don't know what's indexed and what's not. Typically there's, there's things you can do to, to find out, but I mean, changing an image, boom, you go in there, you do it and then you're set. So it's awesome stuff, Greg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else you got for us? Tell us you're dropping the nuggets. Let's hear the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I- Dig deep. <laughs> Dig deep. No, I mean, those things that we just talked about, those are the main things I've been kind of testing lately. Okay. I am starting to try to, you know, try to either dispel some myths or confirm them on a few other things, but I just don't know quite enough about it yet to really uh, report back on those things. So maybe I'll, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, maybe I'll follow up in the comments on this, you know, with some more discoveries I've made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love to have you come on uh, on a regular basis even to just talk about new discoveries because we're always learning new things. And I'm sure you guys are, especially with when you've got software tools to jump in the back and look at data. Yeah, love to hear fun. that. I do have a question though for you. If you're not able to jump on at midnight, you know, at midnight Pacific to do things, right? It's a cool strategy and it keeps everything clean, but you just can't do it for whatever reason. You got a, a day job, let's say. Are there ways to automate that, set it up so that, you know, you don't have to be up at midnight. Yeah, yeah. So a few months ago, I found out about a tool at the time it was called AMZ split. So it's pretty interesting. So it does the split testing for you. You know, you can make the changes on the keywords or the pictures or uh, whatever. So I've been using it for a while. And then actually just recently, I kind of reached out to the guys like, Hey, you know, like, uh, I just want to in- introduce myself. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm Greg from Jungle Scout also in the software space and so forth. So long story short, recently we, I've kind of teamed up with them cause it's such a cool tool. Uh, it's now called splitly. Okay. So that's split, uh, L Y and that's, that's what it does is, you know, of what we're just kind of talking about. So from that's kind of where I've been able to pull a lot of this uh, cool information. It is a really neat tool. Like we talked about earlier, you can do this for free. You don't have to use a tool to do it, you know, just, uh, the best thing to do is remember to go on, you know, at midnight Pacific time and make those changes. Or if you want, you know, this tool, the tool does do it automatically. It's something that uh, I've been using for a few months now, I think kind of since it came out and it's been helping me collect a lot of this information I've been talking about. So yeah, I think, uh, man, you should definitely check it out. If anyone else listened to it, feel free to check it out. I think there, there is like a two week free trial, I think. So, you know, you can at least run one test and get some good information out of it before you even have to pay anything. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll put a link down in our, our uh, show notes so that people can click over and, and check it out. Sounds cool. So does it work through via API? Like, I mean, are you putting all your account information into the system and then it logs in and automatically changes everything? I, mean, I imagine that's how it's doing it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, you sync it up to your Seller Central account. You know, for instance, like when I'm changing a, my main image, I'll load in a new main image as one of my variants. And then, you know, every night at midnight, it changes my picture to the other picture. I'll usually let it, let it run for at least two weeks. So usually after two weeks, I'll see how much of a difference it's made on sessions and conversions and so forth. If it's made like a huge amount, 
you know, like before I was getting a thousand sessions a day. Now I'm getting 1500 sessions a day. I'll go ahead and end the test. Cause that's like a, a you know, 50% improvement. Yeah. Uh, that'd be kind of a no brainer. If it's a little bit closer, say maybe a 10% improvement, I might let it run for another week or two, uh, just to make sure that the, the data is pretty accurate before I, you know, make the change. So, uh, but it's pretty cool. It has, it's a lot smarter about statistics than I am. So it gives you, you know, the level of significance. It gives you recommendations, whether you should end the test or continue or go ahead and make the change and so forth. So it's pretty neat. Oh, interesting. So, so it does the, uh, the statistics of it as well. Yeah. There's a lot of powerful statistics on the back end of it. So, you know, does it actually download the, the data from your account or do you have to download the report and then upload it or how does that work? No, it's an automated process. So it automatically syncs up, you know, to get all your conversion and session data and all that kind of stuff. So you don't have to act manually upload a, the report. Oh, that's cool. So can you, can you set, uh, I mean, I imagine there's a, a good number of parameters. Like, can you load it up with like two or three different images and say, I want this image on this day and this one, one week later, and just kind of walk away from it and let it do its thing. Yeah, you can. So you can run as many variants if, as you want. I'd probably recommend if you're just starting, only try one or maybe two. But yeah, that's exactly right. So you could load it up with one or two images, uh, start it. I could come back in two weeks or three weeks or a month. Personally, I'm usually so excited. I'm like logging in every day to check it. <laughs> but <laughs> I know you're like me. Yeah. If you're not, if you're more uh, disciplined about <laughs> checking analytics, then you could just come back in a couple of weeks and see, you could, you know, sync up your new sessions and conversions data and then be like, it's usually pretty amazing. It's usually like a no brainer, like, wow, this made a huge difference. So yeah, you can like tell it what you're trying to optimize for you. So you can try to optimize for sessions or conversions or profit, whatever else you can say like what level of significance you want it. So whether it's 90% or 95 or whatever, you can tell it how often to rotate, to rotate every 24 hours or 72 hours or every one week or whatever. And then, yeah, you just kind of walk away and it just runs the test for you. Interesting. So your focus is on increasing sessions and you set that in there. What does the system do to try to to follow up on those sessions or whatever it is that you've set? Yeah. So I guess the only reason that you're telling it which goal you have in mind is just bait uh, is just for its recommendations. So, you know, like your, for instance, if you're optimizing for profit and you're doing like a price change, your conversions might dip down a little bit, but you know, your overall profit might increase. So, you know, I guess it wants to know what your, your goal is for the recommendations it's giving you. Okay. All right. Awesome. Outside of um, images, what else can you split test it through the system? Yeah, so you can do uh, images, you can do price, you can do title, bullet points, descriptions. So you can change just about anything with your listing in there. Okay, everything on the front end. Can it do anything on the back end? Can it change your your search terms, your 5K search terms on the back end? Yeah, so I just talk, was just talking to uh, the developers, James and Andrew, about this. And I guess they said, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably be able to. I think it's in the works right now. They were just putting a few uh, final touches on it. Wow, it sounds like a cool thing. So Splitly. Splitly.com. That's a good yeah. name. Did you have to buy that domain or was it already available? No, I don't think it was available. I think uh, I purchased. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find a good domain these days, right? I know, dang squatters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So, um, all right. So into the split testing software, you've got, you know, the product discovery software with Jungle Scout and your, and your web-based application or service. Anything else down the, uh, in the pipeline down the road that you can even talk about? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll let you. I don't think I've ever uh, told anyone about some of the stuff on public air, but that's cool. I'll spill the beans. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it here. We're kind of turning into, we're going to turn into like a suite of tools. So, you know, it started out with Jungle Scout. 
you know, we have a whole bunch of users now. And one of the coolest things about that is we get like tons of feedback from them, right? They're like, man, I really like, there's nothing out there that does this or that or whatever. So, you know, the coolest part about that is now that we have a really good group of developers and so forth. So, you know, of course we have jungle scout. Uh, we released review cake, you know, a few months ago, fair amount of listeners may be using that. Now the one I've never told anyone about is called fetcher and fetcher is a robust accounting software for Amazon sellers. So again, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe at the end of June or later, probably go to fetcher.com and sign up, but it is a, you know, an, uh, an accounting platform for sellers. So it automatically pulls in PPC data sales. You know, you can, you enter your costs, your inbound shipping to Amazon, all that kind of stuff. And it just gives you all the, the really cool graphs and data that we all wish seller central had, right? Like seller central is terrible as far as like just trying to check your sales and your actual profit and so forth. So it gives you all that. It's also going to be robust enough that, you know, you can print out a schedule C at the end of the year and hand it to your accountant and he can handle the rest from there. So it's, um, it's a really nice piece of accounting software. If you're specifically an Amazon seller, I think before, you know, there was like some plugins or people were had really robust Excel sheets or so forth. So we're kind of solving that problem. So I'm really excited about that. And then, yeah, you know, splitly just kind of fell in my lap about a month ago. Or so getting to talk to those guys. So we've kind of partnered up on that one as well, but it's still mainly James and Andrew's baby. I'm just helping them out with it now. Yeah. Awesome. So Fetcher, yeah, I need some stuff for accounting for sure. I've been using, not not a lot. I, I just kind of got into, um, what is it? Hello Profits. Is this, is Fetcher pretty different to that or has it got a lot of overlap? Yeah. So Hello Profits really cool. I, I've been using it myself. I think Hello Profits a great tool if you're looking for kind of like a multi-tool that does that does quite a few things, right? So it's kind of been referred to me. I thought this was a good analogy once. It's like a Swiss army knife, right? It does a lot of things pretty well. Fetcher will be more if you're looking for like a really robust accounting platform that, you know, can really take into account all your fees, all your expenses, and is more, you know, like replaces right now, maybe if you're using like QuickBooks or Zero or whatever, you know, now you can get rid of that and just use Fetcher. Okay, awesome. What do you use for inventory management? Do you use anything at all? Yeah, I'm using uh, Forecastly right now for inventory management. Okay, Forecastly. See, all right, there's yeah. a lot of good, a lot of good stuff in here. So, and then you had mentioned review kicks. So, for those of you that uh, that want to get some quick reviews, uh, you got how many users do you have now on that actually review on Review Kick? We have over forty thousand reviewers now. It's it's one of those things that kind of grows exponentially, right? So, I think that's yeah, crazy. Now, like four or five hundred new reviewers are signing up every day. So, there's tons oh of reviewers on there, like. When you list a product on there now, you get like hundreds and hundreds of requests. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's uh, as, as of right now, it's a free service, right? Uh, we actually just turned the paywall on last week. So it's no oh, longer you? free. Yeah. But it, oh. it is still pretty inexpensive. So we want to build up just like a huge, you know, in order to get like all the best reviewers, you need tons of good products, right? So we're still keeping it really low cost right now because we still want, you know, tons of good products being put on there all the time. But it, uh, it is no longer free. Okay. Let me ask you about that. I, I am curious. Yeah, um, sure. The, a- Amazon has, uh, I guess, lately been listing or, or unverifying orders, right? You, they, they're verified purchases, but then they become unverified if they're reviewed through some groups or if a price point goes below a certain amount. Do you know, I, I mean, have you been seeing that with price points and do you have any recommendations when people are doing giveaways or using services like yours to, so that the reviews actually are, are a little bit more beneficial? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was actually just past weekend, I was in Miami. I was chatting with uh, Jeff Cohen, one of the founders of Snagshout, which is also a review, another good review service about this. And 
What we concluded is it's really tough to say. Um, there doesn't seem to be an exact kind of algorithm how you can figure out whether it's going to be verified or not. The things that we think or we know at least play into account is how big of a discount you give. So, you know, when you're first launching your product, personally, I usually discount it a lot, you know, down to like a dollar just to get a whole bunch of initial reviews. After that, if you're just trying to add a few more reviews, I'd recommend trying to do a little bit less of a discount. So maybe give it like 50 or 60 or 70% off as opposed to like 95%. I think that definitely helps. One of the other things that personally I believe helps is giving your product to reviewers that aren't uh, super active leaving reviews. So I think some of these reviewers have been a little bit targeted by Amazon if they're leaving like 10 or 15 new reviews a day. So if you can give it to you know the reviewers who are leaving one a week or one a month or whatever, I think those people are less likely to potentially get the reviews removed or be unverified. So that, that's personally something I've found. I know like, I imagine other people are doing this too, but at Review Kick now, we're, we're trying to get all of our new reviewers through like Facebook ads, targeting people that aren't normally in the kind of like review stuff for discount space, right? So these are like very normal people, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, are just norm- very normal Amazon shoppers. And I think those people tends to, you know, stick or become or be verified or so forth better. Is there a way uh, through review kick to, to actually filter who's going to review your product in terms of like, I, I don't want somebody that's posting 10 per day. Yes. So with review kick, you know, people would apply to review your product and then you'd have a whole list of reviewers and you can see the, the same information that's publicly available on their Amazon reviewer profile. So you can see like, oh, this person's left a thousand reviews before or oh, this person's left four. Uh, and you can see like the percentage of helpful votes and so forth. So me personally, I like to give coupons to reviewers who have a high percentage of helpful votes because that means they leave like high quality reviews that Amazon likes, the consumers that are reading the reviews likes and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then I also personally, I actually like to stay away from the people who um, have left just like a ton of reviews before or, you know, people have used the term like professional reviewer, right? These people are really just leaving like tons of reviews. I kind of like to stay away from those people a little more. Okay. So to see that data though, uh, to know you have to click into their account and look at it. It's not available. It's, there's not like a filter within the thing that says, I only want people that, that have done this or that. Oh, no, there's, it's all tabulated. You can sort by the columns or whatever. So you can sort by the people who have the most helpful votes or have oh, uh, left the lowest amount of reviews or whatever. So, yeah, you just see a whole table of all that data, and then you can just hit, like, the check mark or the X on who you want or who you don't want. Okay, cool, cool. And then have you found any data related to whether uh, unverified reviews or non-verified actually improve um, your overall average rating, uh, you know, the star rating? I mean, I know that review shows up, but let's say they give you a five-star. Will that have any impact? Does that affect your overall rating? Yeah, so I've, I've found some really interesting data on this, actually. So for one, the verified or not having the verified badge, I don't, I don't think it hurts or I don't think it affects your conversions at all. I don't think a normal, uneducated consumer on Amazon that's not in like the selling space even really looks for those verified badges or only maybe like 1%, a very small amount of them. I would agree with you. Yeah, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. The one thing that I have found, this is rare scenarios, but I still have seen it, is if you have like a crappy product that organically only gets like one star and two star reviews, if you have a whole bunch of four or five star reviews from 
promotional giveaways, at some point, there's some kind of flag in Amazon's system or you'll hit some kind of threshold that they will no longer factor in the the promotional reviews into your review score. Okay. Is that, so yeah. they'll still be shown in the list. So like if you have a hundred reviews still show all the ones that were given for promotions or the ones that weren't given for promotions. However, to calculate your average review score at there's some threshold that they'll actually stop doing or stop factoring in the promotional reviews to your review score. So I guess the moral of the story is there is we all want high quality, you know, at the end of the day, you do want high quality products that organically are getting good reviews. You, uh, there's some point that, you know, you can't just do a whole bunch of promotions to outweigh that anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I've been hearing. I've been hearing that non-verified reviews. I, I didn't, I don't know what the threshold is like you, I don't know what triggers it, but at some point, if you're a three-star uh, average rating, you know, that's your, your, your score for your product. And you suddenly start, you, you, blast out and get a hundred promo reviews, you know, people that have, uh, that are just reviewing it to get the product for free or, or at a discount. You might have tons of these reviews come in all five stars, but your overall score just doesn't go up. It stays at three. So I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. But yeah. I also say, you know, people shouldn't be using these services for that kind of purpose. Anyways, it should be for your launch, get you, you know, get that social proof. Cause like you said, the average person never even notices if it says verified or non-verified, they're just looking in and they see, Hey, it's got, you know, 16 reviews. It's a five-star average. I'm ready to order this product. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, Greg, you have a, you know the review service. You just want people uh, use as many of those uh, as possible." And it's like, "No, I, I don't actually. I just want you to use it the minimal amount possible so you can get a good launch. And then after that, you know, I want you making organic sales and getting organic reviews and so forth." So, yep, perfect. All right, cool. Man, we've talked about, we were all over the place. I know in the beginning, we were like, yeah, what yeah. should we focus on? <laughs> we've talked about that. <laughs> so this has been good, but we've got, I think we've got it under an hour here. So that's perfect. Any other things you wanted to uh, talk about that maybe we, I know we've jumped around that we've skipped or anything like that? Sure. I'll, I'll throw in one little thing just because right before I got on the call with you, hopefully I'm actually allowed to say this. I think I am. Um, I was talking to someone at Amazon about a new program that was pretty cool. And he had talked to me because he's interested in me promoting it. But um this is pretty neat. I, I guess I'm just trying to give some, you know, a little bit of extra value here, a little glimpse into the future that most people don't know about is they're starting this program actually that they're going to discount commissions for certain categories or style of products. So they have an algorithm that says, okay, we might not, Amazon might not be the most competitive place for bamboo marshmallow sticks, right? So then they might say, okay, if you start selling bamboo marshmallow sticks, instead of 15% commission, we're only actually going to give you, charge you 3% commission because we either want more people selling that on our platform or we want the uh, prices to be more competitive. So just a little uh, heads up there. That's something you guys probably want to look out for in the future. That's cool. Do they say, I mean, is this slowly being rolled out now or is it something they're going to be releasing? They're going to be releasing it. So, you know, I was talking to someone at Amazon about it. He actually contacted me because he was like, this could fit into product research really nicely, right? So he was like, hey, you know, maybe you could help me out here by saying, uh, we we need, want more people selling bamboo marshmallow steaks and we'll give them the discount on it. So that might affect their product research. So yeah, something to uh, be aware of. That's nice. Do you, do you uh, know how many categories, do you have any other information, like what kind of categories and, and when they might officially roll it out? I don't know a data when they're going to officially roll it out, but it's interesting because different people are going to be eligible for uh, different items or categories. So yeah, you know, you wouldn't give me all the details on how the algorithm is going to work, but how I kind of took it, like right now, if you're selling a whole bunch of home and garden items, 
that probably offer this for uh, subcategories or product types in that area. If you're selling electronics, they're probably not going to offer you this for baby products. So it's going to probably be like niche that you're already have been selling or involved in. Okay. So, so it's your feeling then that they're going to reach out to existing customers first before uh, in a specific category and just uh, lower that rate versus going out to just general sellers, kind of like a big blast and saying, Hey, everybody, if you want to jump into this category, the rate is dropped from 15 to 5%. Yeah, so I think it's going to start with reaching out more to the specific sellers. And then it's my impression that if they still didn't get enough interest in that product type or niche or whatever, that's when they'd say like, okay, this is, you know, the promotional commission now for, for everyone. Yeah, that's cool because uh, it's getting, it, the, the margins can get tight sometimes on specific products. I've had one, in fact, today, this morning I was looking at, I was like, you know what, I'm going to bring it in. But then after factoring everything in, I'm like, yeah, did it's just not enough profit there after taking the 15% out. So it just won't work. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that'd be pretty cool, right? If you, like, instead of 15% commission, you knew some products that were only 3% commission, that, I mean, that'd be pretty sweet. That would be cool. You, is it your feeling that this is like, I mean, is it right around the corner or are we still like months away? I would imagine probably right or it, it's kind of hard to tell these big corporations, right? But Amazon moves <laughs> right. pretty fast. So, I mean, he was doing a screen share with me on like uh, the kind of the beta platform and it looked, I mean, it appeared to be already. So yeah, I guess it's really just hard to say how quickly you move with it. I would imagine this is somewhere if I was guessing. How do I, uh, there's a question for you. This is a very, very important question, Greg. How do, how do I get my own personal super Amazon rep like that? <laughs> I want to know all this stuff in advance. I'll just call you. Uh, good question. Every time I talk to someone from Amazon, I'm like, I was asking, you know, lots of questions like, who would you recommend I talk to for this? Or can you make an introduction to this and this and this? <laughs> and I mean, through that, I guess I've kind of built like this web at Amazon, right? But, but still, it's such a huge company that sometimes it's really hard to get to the people that you really need to be talking to, right? Yeah. Or it's even really hard to get an introduction for the person you need to be talking to. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, this has been an awesome interview. It's been fantastic, actually. There's so many good things and you you dropped that last little nugget on us. So that's perfect. A perfect way to close it. I appreciate that. And I, All right. yeah, I appreciate your time. I know it's uh, getting late over there in, in Spain. So um, yeah, can we definitely have you back on for, uh, you know, maybe we can do this, I don't know, every couple months or something like that when something new and exciting comes up and have you back on the show. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. I've had a blast talking to you. Yeah, I look forward to chatting with you again. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, well, thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Thanks for all the answers and yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. All right, thanks, Manny. Take care. You too. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.